2: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Happy holidays, y'all. Today we have a special holiday treat for you. Minnie is joining us. Woo woo woo. Hang on a second. Minnie's here and uh we recorded this in the past rewind uh when Beth was in Canada with Minnie so things may have changed since then with that said enjoy the show
3: this podcast contains adult themes and language and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners in this podcast we discuss sexual assault torture race and murder listener discretion is advised
2: 143. Thank you for listening. Bienvenidos, bitches, and (laughs) Buiti Binafi. Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and the victims that we do not hear or know much about. Now, contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are straight, cis, white, able-bodied dudes. No, they're not. It's just not true. And I'm here to tell you that there are many well-documented cases of serial killers of color, and True Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and the victims that the media and entertainment come leave out, because the news is racist! <laughs>
3: Allegedly. <laughs> and we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy, a Black Latinx woman. And I'm Beth, and I just happened to be white. It's not her fault. <laughs> I laugh every time. <laughs> We're not journalists, investigators or psychologists, just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to Pod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 602-935-6294 and we may feature it on a future episode. That's right. The phone number is 602- 9356294 nine,
2: four. <laughs> Uh also our website is fruitloopspod.com and we use fruitloopspod for all our social media. The footnotes for each episode can be found on our website plus check it out for the different ways that you
3: can support the show and become a fruitloops patron. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Beth? Today we're talking about Hannah Mary Tabs, a Black American woman who lived in Philadelphia during the late 1800s, so Victorian times. Ooh. Merry Christmas, y'all. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Tabs, along with an accomplice, participated in the murder and dismemberment of her alleged lover. Whoa. This subject was suggested to us by William, and it was researched and written by Minnie, who is also our special guest today. Welcome. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Welcome, Minnie.
2: One second. You. i Got something for you. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Minnie. So happy Mine you are, are here. very own hip-hop air horn. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Would you accept anything less? No. No. Uh, So before we get into it, how you doing, Minnie? We'll start with
4: you. I'm doing great. Uh, my sister Beth is visiting me yeah. here mm-hmm. in Canada, Ooh. and the weather's been actually quite nice. It's been unseasonably uh, warm, so yeah, it's it's been nice. I kind of wanted her to see some snow, but we didn't really get much of that. There is snow on fun. the
3: ground, but there it hasn't a little really bit. snowed. Yeah, yeah. Are you,
2: have you done mm-hmm. any dashing through it? We did mm-hmm. go for a walk. We did. <laughs> oh. Yes,
3: I <laughs> wouldn't categorize
2: that as dashing. Snow. Yeah, there you go. Walking,
4: <laughs> walking through the snow. <laughs> without <laughs> an
3: open sleigh. Oh, no, no sleigh. Yes. <laughs> All
2: right, well, I, say less.
3: <laughs> I'm good, too. And like Minnie said, I'm visiting, and it's it's been awesome. I've been relaxing a lot. Nice. Eating and uh, going shopping, so.
2: <laughs> Fantastic. <Yeah.
3: laughs> well,
2: I have missed you so, my friend. Yeah, uh, I miss you, too. I, I went over to, because to your, your desk is by the giant recycle right. bin, and basically Basically, this was playing in my head. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> I'm come to talk to you again. <laughs> and you weren't there. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so glad you're relaxing because you needed it, girl. <laughs> yes, I sure did. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> how are you
3: doing? Well,
2: I'm good. I'm also out of the Phoenix area and uh, traveled to my old stomping grounds of San Jose, California. Uh, and unfortunately, I'm here for one of my uncle's funerals. Oh. Um, and so it's bittersweet, right? Yeah. It's to see yeah. everybody I can see all my old stomping grounds It looks way different from when yeah, I was growing I up bet, here And we all haven't been together In a very long time And so there's a lot of us It's already getting crazy But nobody's yeah. gotten in a fight And the police haven't come So, so things success, are good yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So now mm-hmm. we're going to get into Some listener h- Letters Well hello
3: angels Thank you <laughs> well, what's in that bag, Beth? Well, guess what? There's nothing in the bag. <laughs> oh, dang these, it. These bitches, these angels <laughs> brought this bag and there's nothing in it. You brought an empty bag to a pod party? Well, <laughs> they're very busy. It's Christmas. Yeah, they got better true. stuff to do. That's oh true. Oh my God. True.
2: Jim, drop it over here. That is a good point.
3: <laughs> but it's fine. It's fine because this episode is going to be long and juicy. Right. Well, before we
2: get into it, we are also don't have any new patrons or patreons this week so no shout out tunes but i must say we all are are, are, are you guys spotify listeners yes, yes. You, okay so spotify does your year end rap and it tells you what genres you listen to what are your top podcasts top five podcasts and so many of our listeners have reached out screenshotted their. we are in their top five oh, for cool. 2021 and it's just nice. been really really wonderful and we're so grateful and sometimes we are running on empty y'all yeah. But yeah. your love just really keeps us going. So I wanted to make a special um, thanks to, on um, Instagram, Zashar, Pixelated Blonde, Steph Terrell, Great One Pinches, and Milka Magnesia, yes, on Instagram <laughs> for all your, like, just mm-hmm. sending us the love and letting us know that you are rocking with us. We appreciate it. And I it. love so.
3: all your usernames, too.
2: we everyone's to y'all. And we are going to take a quick break and get into the story when we come back.
0: No necessary. Were prohibited by law. Plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins. Convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money,
2: though in therapy, which is so helpful
3: for me so I can manage, deal, and get through it. Stress shows up in all kinds of ways and in a world that's telling you to do more, sleep less, and grind all the time. Here's your reminder to take care of yourself, do less, and maybe try some therapy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you
2: don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to.
3: It's more affordable than in-person therapy. Give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp
2: and Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color. Listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com fruit. That's betterhel dot fruit. Yes, yes, or Minnie.
3: <laughs> Whichever one. <laughs>
2: Whichever one. Remind us who
3: our subject is today. You want to take it, Minnie?
4: Oh, sure. Uh, so our subject is Hannah-Mary Tabs. Uh, she was a Black woman who lived in post-Reconstruction-era Philadelphia when in 1887 a headless, limbless torso was found Ooh. floating in a pond my eyes uh, yeah. are so large they're gonna yeah. <laughs> pop out of my head <laughs> as a little aside here so i i was telling uh, so i play world of warcraft um oh yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and i was telling one of my guild members that i was doing some research for uh true crime i wasn't you know super specific mm-hmm. and so she sent me the usual you know oh look at these three little white girls who were missing in texas so i sent her a link to what i was researching uh-huh. she's like what a torso (laughs) what dismembered what i'm like yeah more like that
2: (laughs) wow oh my gosh yeah Yeah, she she wasn't ready she wasn't ready ready.
4: but but then she was intrigued after that but uh, yes yes Yes, absolutely yeah So they (laughs) found a headless, limbless torso uh, floating in a pond. And then uh, an investigation soon led to Tabs and an alleged accomplice. Oh,
2: right. Well, normally at this point in our show, we'd get into some stats, but... uh... It's We're so low juicy. On stats. We're low on stats. <laughs> and we'll just pepper important facts throughout the story. There's one victim here.
3: So yeah, yeah.
2: here we go. The setting. Take us there, Minnie.
4: All right. So um, as I said, this is in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania um, in 1887. Now, um, this land, of course, is uh, not traditional home to the Europeans who are living um, right. there. No. There, at this point, right?
2: <laughs> Don't say. <This> first time. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
4: So as usual, we like to acknowledge the original uh, peoples of the lands where we talk about. So the land where uh, Philadelphia now sits is part of the traditional home of the Lenape people. Mm. These people were also known as the Leni Lenape and the Delaware people. And until the Europeans interfered with them, they lived in what is now known as Delaware, New Jersey, and New York, um, including Long Island, as well as in Pennsylvania.
3: So they had a very large... Mm -hmm. Very large.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And uh, interfered. Uh, Really, Europeans were only successful because they carried
3: so many germs. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah.
2: That's crazy. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
3: So, their social system was matrilineal, meaning their ancestry and property was determined by the female line, and matrilocal, meaning married couples stayed close to the wife's family. I like that. So these people were already living in the area now known as Pennsylvania when the Europeans arrived. When Europeans began to settle, they pushed these people farther and farther west. And today, most Lenape live in Oklahoma.
2: Wow, quite a distance from Mm -hmm. where they came from. The first European settlements in the area were founded by the Dutch, who considered the entire Delaware River Valley to be part of their new Netherland colony. Swedish colonies began to develop in the region as well, and both cultures grew their populations settling over more land, though continuing to live along with the Lenape. The Dutch and Swedish kept mostly to their forts, though. Enslaved
4: Africans arrived in the area that became Philadelphia as early as 1639, brought by European settlers. In 1664, an English fleet captured the new Netherland colony, though nothing really changed for the area until about 1682.
3: It was at this time that Philadelphia was given its name by William Penn, who had been granted a charter for the area by the then King of England, Charles II, in order to settle a debt that the king owed to Penn's father. Pennsylvania itself had been named by the king after William Penn's father, which apparently embarrassed William. Interesting. Yeah. So,
2: William Penn was a Quaker, a faith known for its adherence to humility equality and to brotherhood and he named the colony philadelphia which means brotherly love in greek he named it after a similarly named city from the brook of a book the brook of revelation <laughs> Ooh, from the it book of bro- revelation <laughs> <laughs> the book of revelation which had purportedly served as a site of christian meetings during a time of per- persecution i can talk i promise sorry <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you talk lots of times. Okay, okay. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So William Penn wanted Philadelphia to be a place where anyone could worship freely. This was during a time when the idea that a person might have a direct relationship with a Christian God rather than going through a priest was relatively new and was aggressively suppressed in some parts of Europe.
3: Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the province of Pennsylvania was already known by this time as a place where any religion was tolerated, as long as it was Judeo-Christian, mm-hmm. which drew a great variety a variety of colonists from Europe, including the Huguenots, Puritans, Calvinists, Mennonites, Catholics, Angelicans, and Jews. Penn may have had good intentions, but in the end, this did not equate to freedom for everyone.
2: In 1682, William Penn purportedly signed the Treaty of Shackamaxon with the Lenape, in which he agreed that with the Lenape's chief, Tamanand, that their peoples would coexist in perpetual peace and friendship. Uh, but I'm sure there's a gotcha in there somewhere. Yeah. Chief <laughs> tominend was also known for being a proponent of brotherly love, though there is still debate over whether or not such a treaty was ever signed.
3: It probably was. And then uh, white people were like, uh, mm-hmm. no, Just we're kidding. not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs>
4: Yeah. <laughs> Penn had plans to recreate an ordered English rural community with large lots and garden plots laid out in grid systems, Uh, so it was kind of a fanciful dream of his, but of course in reality this just didn't work for the area. Uh, The colonists started to just sort of organically crowd near the port for trading purposes, and then they ended up subdividing and selling their plots to new settlers. As the population swelled, it became a city, established in 1701, and then continued to grow into an important Center for Trade with its well-placed port.
3: By the 1750s, Philadelphia had surpassed Boston to become the largest city and busiest port in British America, and second in the British Empire after London. Wow. Hmm, In the 1750s and 60s, when the slave trade increased due to a shortage of European workers, 100 to 500 Africans were brought to Philadelphia each year.
2: Yeah, I think people um, forget that there was slavery in the North. Right. (laughs) Um, Um, But just a reminder, that's a lie. In 1765, there were about 1,500 Black Philadelphians. Of these, 100 were free. By the time the American Revolution broke out in 1775, enslaved people were one twelfth of the roughly 16,000 people who lived in Philadelphia.
4: Philadelphia is the site where the U.S. Declaration of Independence was signed. Again, yeah, right? <laughs> Declaration yeah. Of yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> And yeah, and it is worth noting in this moment that this did not equate to freedom for all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By this time, there were quite a number of free black people living in the area some workers, some businessmen, some privateers, some freed slaves, but still a large number of enslaved black people existed in the area.
3: The free black community in Philadelphia had grown to over 1,000 by the end of the Revolution in 1783, while enslaved residents numbered 400 out of a total population of about 28,000. The Pennsylvania Abolition Society was founded by white Quakers in 1775. And eventually became a biracial organization. That's pretty cool. That is cool. That's how you get
2: things done. Mm Multiracial coalitions. That's Um. right. In 1780, a policy of gradual emancipation was instituted in Pennsylvania. Most of the Black population in Philadelphia were free by 1811, although some remained enslaved until the 1840s. The free community was joined by runaways from the South and refugees from the Haitian Revolution. And the Free African Society was founded here in 1787. And the Bethel African Methodist Church was founded here in 1794. Nice. Hmm.
4: It was not all sunshine, lollipops and rainbows for no. the black people in Philadelphia, <laughs> no. though <laughs> Say it so. no no so uh, and this one i uh. Yeah, anyway, you'll 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 hear it in a second. Uh, so during the 1793 Philadelphia yellow fever epidemic, uh, black residents were mistakenly believed to be immune to the disease, mm. so they worked Uh-oh. as carriers of the dead and tended to the sick and dying inside their homes. Oh I don't I don't know goodness. if they, yeah, it was it was like oops, we made a mistake. I feel like it's more like, uh, yeah, you know, like, hey, uh, you guys are, are probably
3: fine, so yeah. you go do that, you know. <laughs> oh my yeah, god. god. Black people are immune. So, well, uh, let's let them it, carry it, the it, dead. <laughs>
2: Par- par- yeah. the parallels between this and, and coronavirus because who mm-hmm. were most of the essential workers mm-hmm. uh, yeah. right
4: yeah. yeah I know yeah, yeah crazy. It's still happening. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was going on, and then uh, kidnapping of free Black residents to be sold back into slavery was a risk that continued into the 19th century, especially for children. Fun times.
3: Oh, yeah. well, there was also racial discord that continued in the area into the 1800s, even though Philadelphia was a major player in the abolitionist movement. While some Black folks in Philadelphia worked in professional jobs that served the Black community, like teachers, doctors, ministers, barbers, caterers, and entrepreneurs, most Black Philadelphians at that time worked at physically demanding and low-paying jobs. They competed with working-class whites, especially new Irish immigrants, for jobs, which led to racial conflict. Mm. So he's, they're taking our gerbs! Uh,
2: they're t- they're <laughs> taking our- right, uh, and Dr. Carey Carrie Gross, I think her name is, Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll be talking about her a lot throughout this episode, but she said most of the jobs for black women in particular, since we're talking about Hannah Tabs, were domestic workers. Mm -hmm. Um, So 90 percent of them were uh, domestic workers. So despite the risks and racism that they encountered, black Americans continued to come to Philadelphia since it was the closest major city to the southern states where slavery was still legal. In the years leading up to the Civil War, Philadelphia had the largest Black population outside of the slave states.
4: Wow. Wow. During the Civil War, 11 Black regiments from Philadelphia fought for the North after the passage of the 1862 Second Militia Act allowed Black Americans to be employed as soldiers. After the Civil War, Black Americans in Philadelphia organized to end segregation of the city's schools and streetcars
3: and to regain the right to vote. Ooh, in 1867, streetcar segregation was ended throughout the state, and legal segregation of schools ended in 1881, although wow. de facto segregation continued into the 20th century. So it was not legal, but they still did it. <laughs> Ew. The 15th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution gave Black Americans in Pennsylvania the right to vote in 1870.
2: But wait, not everyone <laughs> in Philadelphia was on board with the idea of civil Rights for black people. What? Octavius, <laughs> no, you're kidding. Octavius V. Cato, a civil rights activist, was shot and killed while trying to cast his ballot oh my in God. 1871. Wow. Mm-hmm.
4: The Black population in Philadelphia rose to nearly 32,000 in 1880 out of a total population of about 85,000. Wow. Yeah, it was a large percentage. Yeah. In mm-hmm. uh, 1884, there were approximately 300 Black-owned businesses, including the Philadelphia Tribune, which was started in 1884. Impressive. So this was the social climate in which our story occurs.
3: Okay.
2: Okay, we're here now. Now yep. we're getting into the early life of Hannah Mary
3: Tabbs. What do you got for us, Beth? Hannah? Mary Tabbs was born as Hannah Ann Smith sometime around 1850 in Maryland. The date of her birth was not recorded, and it's very possible that she was born into enslavement, as Maryland did have a mix of enslaved and free Black people during this time.
4: And that just still boggles my mind. I mean, we're uh, obviously not new to the concept here, but every once in a while it just kind of hits me harder than usual to think that a living breathing human person can be considered the property of yeah. another human being, right. especially uh-huh. when that living breathing human being is a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. doesn't it's make any damn sense. No, yeah. it doesn't. And and you know, <laughs> just like take a moment to say that out loud to yourself. Yeah. To to hear how crazy it sounds and, <laughs> right. and, and and think about what it means for a human baby or any human for that matter to be the property, the property of another human being like cattle, yeah. like farm implements, right. a belonging, like yeah. a fucking hat. Yeah. yeah. That um, Whoa. It, Whoa. My, it, my face Just, is contorting. Yeah. It right? <laughs> it doesn't make any like sense. How, yeah. I, yeah, and 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 to me like I I try to wrap my head around sometimes how a person, you, cause I'm very empathetic, and I like yeah. to understand people by thinking about what it's like to be them. Uh-huh. Yeah, and and I, this is something I can't do. I can't. Yeah. I can't imagine what it's like. How to, do you justify that? Yeah, yeah I don't know. I do, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, so for, yeah. It, for, it, for it to be possible for one human to think of another human that way, I, I'm like, yeah, I, I own that human being over there.
2: Yeah. Like, what the fuck? It <laughs> doesn't make any sense. No. But yeah. I will yeah. say, you know, the the slavery has not really ended no. in the West. It's just transformed. Yeah. So maybe people, mm-hmm. individual human beings aren't owning mm-hmm. people. But state the, the state is the, mm-hmm. the government is institutions yeah. are so it's yep. still something that's really difficult to wrap your mind around it, it doesn't is, make yeah. any sense
4: and when no. I try to imagine what it's like to be those people as well, I just, I can't. Like, yeah. I, I, Like, how yeah. do you, how, how, hmm. how do you do I, that? <laughs> well, anybody
2: who finds an answer, let me know, because I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. I just don't yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah. So,
4: yeah. So anyway, back to, back to the story. Uh, that's <laughs> the world she was born into. Um, and when you think about it generationally, it was, wasn't even all that long ago. No. Right. Just a, just a few grandparents ago. Right. Right. You know,
2: absolutely. I'm glad you said that. I love you. So, <laughs> what did I love you do? <laughs> one of the frustrating things about this time is that Black people, and even more so Black women, unless they were unusual in some way, meaning mostly that they had some significant involvement in the life of a white person, records just weren't created or kept on them. So, it's very difficult to find anything about the lives of ordinary Black women of the time. Until Hannah committed
4: a crime against a mixed race man with the assistance of another mixed race man, uh, there just wasn't much attention on her. So there's a lack of information, and we can really only guess as to what her early life might have been like.
3: Mm. In an article for the BBC, Dr. Callie Nicole Gross, author of Hannah Mary Tabs and the Disembodied Torso, wrote, quote, Despite the numerous assaults she committed in the Black community, she had no criminal record. It wasn't until authorities believed that her victim was a white man that she found herself in the crosshairs of the justice system, unquote.
2: What we do know is that Hannah was born sometime around 1850 in Anne Arundel County, Maryland, or Merland, uh where <laughs> about half of the Black people living there at the time were free and half were enslaved. She was about 15 during the time of the American Civil. Civil War, and by the end of it was a young woman with a mixed race baby to care for.
4: The official story is that the baby was an orphan niece that Hannah took care of as her own after her sister and brother-in-law died of yellow fever. But it is believed that the baby was probably her own daughter. In any case, her name was Annie Richardson.
3: When she was young, Hannah likely worked either as a slave or as a free servant. She then worked her way up to Baltimore, Maryland, which is a remarkable thing for a Black woman to do at the time, given the climate of racism, sexism, and routine violence experienced by Black women.
2: Mm. And in 1874, she met and married John Tabs, an older man who was well employed, financially stable, and who cared well for her and Annie. John later described Hannah as "quote crazy and <laughs> ignorant and foolish" unquote. Love you too. And he actually <laughs> he actually sent her to school in Baltimore to unlearn some of her coarse ways. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. Just course. I think old old Whitey's probably taking notes. (laughs) Maybe old
3: Whitey needs to to go to school.
4: (laughs) So about 10 years after the Civil War ended, the family relocated to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. There, Hannah Mary was known in the neighborhood as having a violent temper, and local residents were afraid of her. In 1886, Annie Richardson, who by this time was a young woman, went missing. Many folks in the neighborhood assumed that Hannah Mary had killed her. Uh-oh. Wow. So now we're going <laughs> to... That is <laughs> quite, <laughs> the, quite the early life.
3: Now yeah. we're going to get into the timeline. Hit it, Beth. In 1887, Hannah Mary Tabbs was living with her husband, John, in their house in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. By many accounts, Tabbs was having an affair with 24-year-old Wakefield Gaines, who went by the Name of Wake. That's Ooh. a cool name. <laughs> I know. It sounds
2: mm-hmm. like a cool name, which I'm, this doesn't have any merit or I don't know what I'm basing this off of, but maybe he was a handsome, wonderful man. I don't know. Yeah. It's a nickname like Wake.
3: Yeah, I'm sure he was handsome. Like he was like he, <laughs> he maybe was he was twenty-four, the... he was younger than her. Yeah. Um, he was probably yeah. handsome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Okay,
2: Wake, we see you. So I'm the getting affair... all
3: excited. <laughs>
2: <I know. laughs> oh man. Uh the the affair was in... inappropriate. The I affair know. was sorry, intense. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. The affair was intense and Tabs had become extremely jealous and volatile. Wake apparently did not feel the same towards Tabs as Tabs felt towards him, and it was reported that he had become engaged to another woman, which caused Tabs to come at him with a razor two weeks like a before. spider monkey. <laughs> Two weeks before the murder. Don't make me mad. I will cut you. Oh, man.
4: (laughs) (sighs) According to Tabs, uh, the events leading up to the murder started on Wednesday, February 16th, 1887. Her story is that her friend, Wake Gaines, had come to her house that morning on a social call. Escandalo.
2: Oh, (laughs) Maria. (laughs) Maria. (laughs) Maria.
3: White Gaines was reading the paper, uh, allegedly. <laughs> Is that what we're calling and it? Now? Tabs was allegedly eating breakfast <laughs> when another friend, eighteen-year-old George Wilson came to the door. Tab said that Wilson had told her that he was going to pick up Annie from Jenkintown, which is north of Philadelphia in order to take her writing.
2: So I just was going to give a a tad of background on Wilson. I didn't see it in the script, so I I don't want to, if it's already in there, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But so he was a young black man who lived in this place called the house of refuge for colored youth. Mm. And it was basically like a juvenile detention center for black kids, for families who families who were poor and destitute after after the Civil War and couldn't find jobs and couldn't support right. their families and had to had to for, didn't have any other place to put their kids to prevent them from being homeless and starving mm. to death. So Wilson, his dad was in prison uh, and his mother had just died. And mm. like many black children who were in similar destitute situations, he ended up at that House of Refuge for Colored Youth. And Mm -hmm. side note, Wilson's mom was also institutionalized there as a youth. So there's this this weird cycle. Cycle, Uh, And so anyway, uh, Tabs said that Wake had asked if Wilson was dating Annie. And that Tabs replied that she didn't really care as long as she got to see her girl. And if you recall at this point, Annie, her niece slash daughter, we don't know, had been missing for a while. Tabs claimed that Wakefield then got up and
4: struck Wilson, and they began to fight. Wilson grabbed a chair and struck Wakefield in the head with it, then continued beating him with it after Wakefield fell. Tabs said he never got up again.
3: According to Tabs, she told Wilson that what he had done was awful, Mm. but that Wilson responded by saying that Wake had hit him first. And uh, I'm going to try that next time I commit murder. Uh, But they hit me first. (laughs) I had to beat them to death. Well. Wait. Wait, did I say next time? I mean, the first time.
2: <laughs> oh, Beth. <laughs> well, in this day and age, who knows what the self-defense <laughs> yeah, argument is. <yes>, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so according to Tabs, together they cleaned up the blood and the carpet and pulled Wake's body down to the cellar, then removed Wake's clothes and tied them up in a bundle. She then went up to make sure no one was coming while Wilson cut up the body. Ooh.
4: Yikes. When she came back down, she found that Wilson had wrapped the head in paper, pushed the limbs under the steps, and set aside the torso. He then told her he planned to scatter the pieces and that she would be responsible for disposing of the torso after they found something to wrap it in. Obviously. (laughs) Right. Mm
2: -hmm. I'm thinking they're going to get away with it. I mean, this is very (laughs) Yep. Solid plan.
3: (laughs) She claimed that Wilson carried the body upstairs and she located an old calico shirt and a shawl to wrap it in, as well as a shawl strap to carry the bundle. And if you're not familiar with what a a shawl strap is and i wasn't <laughs> oh <laughs> it's a device used to carry a rolled up blanket mat or shawl it has a loop on each end and the two loops connect together by a middle strap which is then used as a handle to carry the item so it's like a yoga mat strap which we use in oh. these days Danny. Okay, you just
2: painted the picture. Thanks for yeah, Thank you, you for that. Now, <laughs> Tabs claimed that once they had everything packaged up, they waited until dark, then each left the house with the pieces they were going to dispose of. She said Wilson had asked her when her husband would be home, and he told her that he would meet her at the depot later. According to Tabs, she went to the railway
4: station and bought a return ticket to Cornwalls and back, but got off in Eddington instead. There, she stopped at a house to ask for directions to Bridgeport, then walked along the road until she found a bridge then tossed the torso over after removing the shawl strap and a piece of the calico covering
2: hey quick question do we think she got asked for directions to sort of create like an illusion of an alibi or does she really need directions to this
3: bridge i really don't know because um it seems like a dumb thing to do to yes it does uh, put herself in that area because it sounds to me like she she wanted the alibi was she was in cornwalls right mm-hmm. but she got off at eddington so she could say that oh no i went to cornwalls but then she asked for directions <laughs> yeah. So, yeah 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 mm-hmm. I, I thought know. that
4: was weird as well
3: okay yeah, i don't i don't
4: know why she made that
3: choice to, yeah. to okay. do that yeah so she said she was almost spotted by some men in a buggy but she hid in the bushes until they passed she then continued walking to Cornwall's and took the train from there back to Philadelphia. According to Tabs, she still had the bundle of clothing with her when Wilson met her at the station.
2: Fuck! What? You weren't supposed to do that, right? Wasn't (laughs) she supposed to dump it? (laughs) So, she said she was afraid that Wake's name was on the clothes. So she had decided not to dispose of them along with the body. Instead, she gave the bundle of clothing to Wilson when he met her at the station and told her he would dispose both of them or he told her that
4: she said that uh she only saw him one other time uh and that's Wilson. that she only saw him one other time after that when he came to her house a few days later to warn her that the discovery of the torso was in the papers and that if she told anyone what she knew about it it would be just as bad for her as it was for him ooh hmm
0: revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed Terror Takes Center Stage.
2: Ready for your starring role in a thrilling adventure full of hidden clues, immersive scenes, danger, and romance.
3: That's right. It's June's Journey. And you play June Parker, an amateur detective investigating a series of mysteries. Ooh, you'll put your powers of observation to the test, sharpen your sleuthing skills, find objects, and claim rewards. The visuals are fire. It's like a party for your eyeballs. (laughs) As you play this thrilling adventure full of hidden clues, immersive scenes with danger and romance in full force.
2: Whether you're craving a good mystery or just need to get away for a while, June's
3: Journey is the perfect game for you. It really is a sweet escape. I like to play when I need a mental pick-me-up. There is a detective in all of us. Find your inner
2: detective. Download Juden's Journey free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. So, now we're gonna get into the investigation and the arrest. What's up,
3: Beth? On February seventeenth, eighteen eighty-seven, a man named Silas Hibbs was walking to work when he passed over a bridge. The bridge crossed what was then known as Totham's Creek near the Eddington railway station in Pennsylvania. I just think Silas is such an eighteen eighty-seven. Oh name. yeah, isn't it?
2: <laughs> is. <laughs> uh, so Silas Hibbs noticed a bit of a bloody calico cloth on the bridge and then spotted a package floating in the water. Near the edge of William B. Mann's ice pond, nearby. The package was wrapped in string and labeled Handle with Care. Okay. (laughs) And he opened it and found inside a dismembered torso. Surprise, motherfucker. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Worst (laughs) Jack
4: in the Box ever. Agreed. The Yeddington area at the time did not have much of a police force and was primarily white. It was mainly (laughs) policed by its own citizens, along with an area sheriff and a few local constables. Silas Hibbs reported the finding uh, of the torso to some local citizens, who then
3: reported it to authorities in the town of Bristol to the northeast. Initially, they thought maybe the torso was medical waste, which made sense to them, as Philadelphia to the southwest was a hub of medical research and training at the time. So, you know, They're just tossing torsos and could be bodies floating around (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) Who knows? By the way, the US's first medical college for women, founded in eighteen fifty, was located at the University of Philadelphia. Pretty cool. Wow, look at that. That That's cool. So the
2: body was dumped in Eddington, not Cornwall. Correct. Yes, in Eddington. Right. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So her ticket, her ticket was to Cornwall and she dumped it in Eddington. Got you. Okay. Uh after examining the torso further though, the coroner's decided that it couldn't be medical waste because the cuts on the torso were too amateurish to have well, been I mean, done you were by students. <laughs> yeah, right? You got to start somewhere. Uh been done by a medical professional or one in training at the university. The marks on the torso also appeared to have been made by a rough blade, not a medical
3: instrument. Uh, okay, okay.
4: According to some accounts, there were also signs that the person had still been alive Ooh while the body had been Eww. dismembered. Yeah, which would not be the case for we medical waste one, one would hope. <laughs> yes. So I, I'm not really sure what kind of signs would indicate that, but I'm guessing possibly the pattern of blood right, flow right. or coagulation would be yeah. different in a body oh. that was cut Yeah, with a still beating heart versus one in which the heart had already, Right. But I'm not a medical professional, so don't fact check me. (laughs) I stole your line. I love it. (laughs) I have all
3: the lines. (laughs) Investigators at the scene found the shawl strap as well as the bloody piece of calico that Silas had seen as he walked on the bridge. The strap that investigators found was made of natural materials and had nickel buckles on it. Based on the condition of the strap, it's nickel buckles, and the condition of the torso which was
2: still oozing blood and had soft skin when Ooh. Silas found it. Super gross. Um, <laughs> speak for yourself. I'm very intrigued. Uh, by the way, we didn't get into... I uh, One of the sources I cited... Um, got into details about the actual dismemberment Ooh. and the tools used, mm-hmm. but I guess that we are not going to be discussing that. But if you want to know, <laughs> well, you can, you if you can go to. into yeah, our sources sorry. and find out. So they <laughs> decided that the torso could not have been in the water for long. They estimated that it must have been dismembered the evening before on February 16th, 1887.
4: They also found that the torso showed signs of having been thrown because of an indentation that they found in the soil near the spot where the torso was Yikes. found. So it, it kind of sounds like it might have like hit and yeah, then rolled uh, or something on yes. it because it was in the water when they found it.
2: Oh, yeah. gosh, <laughs> so I'm hilarious. laughing, but I'm thinking yeah. of, you know, Parks and Rec when What's-Her-Face falls down the embankment. I'm just thinking of like it dropping like that. <laughs>
3: fell fell in the hole in the the park yeah
2: yeah (laughs) oh sorry Mm -hmm. i'm a sick fuck everybody and we love you for it i am what i am yeah (laughs) yeah
4: (laughs) so so yeah it it looked like it had been thrown uh, because of the indentation and also the calico cloth that they found at Mm -hmm. the scene appeared to have been wrapped around the package before it was thrown based on the markings of blood on the material.
3: This was further indication that the torso was very unlikely to have been medical waste that had simply floated down the river from the hospital in Philadelphia.
2: Gotta say, I'm impressed with the caliber of investi- like forensic investigation that they had Back like in 1887? Yeah, yeah, even back then. It's really mm-hmm. impressive. Mm-hmm. So as investigators spoke with some of the locals, they were given more information. A man named John Murray reported that he had seen the shawl strap and kicked it out of the Way when he had crossed the bridge the night before. He estimated that it was about 1 a.m. when he had done that. This information aided the investigators in determining when the torso had been left there and what time the death might have occurred.
4: Local constables and residents dragged the pond but didn't find any other body parts there. They did have plans to drain the pond, but it began to rain heavily enough that it would not have been possible to do mm. so. And I for some reason, just keep having the nightmare before Christmas running through go my head. On. The, Perhaps it's the head that I found in the lake. <laughs> <laughs> and the song when when Jack uh, Skellington is, is talking about uh, things that, that would go well as Christmas presents <laughs> and the and the other townspeople are singing about the stocking. Uh-huh. The Oh yes, does it still have a foot? Let me see. Let me look. Is it rotted and covered <laughs> with foot? <laughs> oh, I
2: is also a fuck. <laughs> I am, a little bit. Oh, kindred spirit alert. <laughs>
3: <Yep>. <laughs> Discussion of the case with the press was not handled well by the current district attorney, Hugh B. Eastburn, and mm. a bit of a public panic followed. More and more journalists began to arrive in the area, and white locals took it upon themselves, as they always do, to become informal <laughs> investigators. Even now, <laughs> wow. So podcasts. Internet right? sleuths. web sleuths. <laughs> <laughs> Even to the point of arranging meetings to discuss the case and possible other victims and perpetrators.
2: Well we have <laughs> that to- bet they would have had a
4: message <laughs> we, for you. Yeah, me if I
3: we could. know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> We, I feel like we have to pay homage to our, like, ancestral murder mystery, like, clubs and groups. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So their focus went toward Black people, and they began to point out missing or suspicious to them, Black people, that they had noticed. They also began to point fingers at others within their own community who they already didn't like. Seems a bit like say a uh, Salem witch hunt type of thing. And uh, this muddied the investigation a little bit. So take a seat, Karen. You're not invited (laughs) to this murder mystery party. Um, I just wanted to say uh, I have a little culture corner here with Wendy Beth and Minnie. Um, And according (laughs) Mm -hmm. to Dr. Kelly Nicole Gross, um, the ambiguity of the race of this torso during this time Mm -hmm. was important um, because slavery had been abolished. Philadelphia was a free state before the Civil War, but still very racist and discriminatory towards black Americans. And there was also an influx of European immigrants at this time, which sort of caused a shift in the definition of what it meant to be white. Um, And on top of all that... This was a dead, maybe white guy. And a dead white guy is way more significant and newsworthy than a dead black Mm -hmm. guy. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If it yeah, if it had been definitively uh, towards black. Yeah, they they
4: it probably would not have gotten this level of attention. Absolutely. Yeah, fun times. No, yes. So they have this torso, um, but meanwhile, the coroner still didn't have the head of the victim to help identify uh, who this person was. Um, They were also keen to determine the person's race in order to help identify them. Uh, Dr. Groom, who was assigned to the case, studied the skin cells and determined that it must be a man of mixed race based on the scientific knowledge of skin cells at the time. Hmm. Uh, But the local coroner, DA, and police chief were hesitant to believe this as it touched on white societal fears of mixing races and of light-skinned black people passing as white in their communities. Santa Maria! Santa Maria. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and as you mentioned, this was already a sort of volatile Harm area it, yeah. socially right. it's, 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 as far as race is concerned. Right.
2: So I was just going to throw in another culture corner about passing and how terrifying oh, yeah. it is to uh, to mm-hmm. uh, white people and also to cishet people, cis-het- cishetero mm-hmm. um, people. So so, oh, I, you know, I never
4: occurred to me that the term passing could also be used for in LGBTQ people. people. Absolutely. Oh, my God.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and my mind hey, is blown. Help. <laughs> help her over there, Beth. Yeah. <laughs> first mind blowing. I'll help you pick up your,
4: your, pick
2: up your head. There. <laughs> yes. Put it back on my torso. <laughs> The story, Uh, right? (laughs) So, racial passing is when a person classified as a member of one racial group is accepted or perceived, or they pass as a member of another, and it also occurs uh, occurs among pockets of. all marginalized groups, basically. And there is a mm-hmm. fear among the mm-hmm. non oppressed group, as I said, like white people or straight cishead people, that they will be infiltrated and that somebody uh, will be among us that we're, we don't know what they are, but they're pretending to be like us, right? And it also goes for right. LGBTQ um, trans folks, you know, who are just everybody's just trying to be themselves and, yeah. and live. Leave them but, alone. La- Jesus but sometimes Christ. you have to pretend yeah. in order to do, um to, to get ahead. Yeah. And so those mm-hmm. of us, in, mar- uh, in marginalized communities, who can pass are not. It's not doing so to try to trick anybody. It is just to survive. And they're survive, are, yeah, right. right. And um, I know you guys are going to get into this, but when I first found out about your your ancestry um, story, mm-hmm. I thought a lot about maybe they don't know the history because mm-hmm. uh, because stories. In families with people who passed for survival, didn't discuss it, and so the generations that came after them were unaware. But it really, right? It was exactly because it was dangerous to do Mm -hmm. so. Not not because they wanted to keep it a secret or anything. So just
3: something, something to think about. Yeah, true, true, true. So back to the story. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the local coroner, the DA, and the police chief insisted on further examination and began to use questionable tactics to do so, including bringing in two black women to compare their skin with that of the torso. Oh my god! Okay? Oh my wow. god! Science! Jeez! Ah,
4: yep. And these are not the scientists. No, it's no, really so worth oh pointing geez. out. So they they're like refusing to listen to the scientists. And they're like, and you know, they're most, like, no, we're gonna do we're, this. We're instead. gonna
3: bring a black lady in. And and uh, Th- This will do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. This will work, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the coroner grabbed the arm of one of the Black women and tried to hold her arm next to the torso. Oh, my God. But this repulsed her, you think? <laughs> 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 to the point that she backed away and refused to go near the torso again. Oh, my Jeez. Atlanta. Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
2: So that uh, they then followed by asking the opinion of the other Black woman as to whether or not this could be a torso of a Black man. She declined (laughs) to give a definite response stating that, quote... Why folks look so much like colored folks nowadays, hard to tell the difference. Unquote. I <laughs> like what that are lady. You... <laughs> <laughs> what, right? Right? what? are you gonna
3: say? You I know, don't know. <laughs> I know. It's like
2: either you're
4: damned yeah. if you do, damned exactly. if you don't. That was that the was perfect exactly, response. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the coroner, the DA, and the police chief were still reluctant to trust Dr. Groom's finding that this was a mixed race man. Uh, they were that uncomfortable with the concept of it. There were some interesting, and by interesting, I mean racist. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, ideas in the public of where the color of black skin came from uh and this is in the general public of course such as possibly from the blood Hi. really <laughs> yeah right or the what? liver <laughs> Really? <laughs> <laughs> or some other organ in the body? Again? Really? <laughs> like they've got a special organ that it makes black skin? Wow. I-, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Wow. So, so they wanted to examine the torso more thoroughly before deciding the race. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, the scientists already looked at the cells yeah. and said, "Yep,
3: <laughs> yep." Yep. There were also plenty of racial purists at the time who actually believed that white people and black people were two different species. Come again? Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> oh my god! And they, of course, would then be incapable of producing offspring that could procreate.
2: <laughs> oh my
4: god! Wow, like a mule, right? Right, yeah. right. And yeah. that's so. That's where the term uh, mulatto oh, comes. You're right I didn't know that, or, right. or, or I forgot yep. it. Something.
3: Yeah, that's yeah. awful. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. yeah it is. It's terrible. Yeah. Oh. So an unquestionably mixed race person of very light skin that had to be the product of a bond between a mixed-race person and a white person would have caused an uproar among such people. <laughs> like, wait, what? Yep. They're all humans? <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Oh no, my life <laughs> is ending. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Tell my mom I love her. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my god. So, uh, the idea that there could be other mixed-race people in their community, quote-unquote passing as white, would also have been a very unsettling thought for them. Uh-oh, why <laughs> your scared. everybody? Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes I'll take my kids places And I'm like We have to be at our best We don't want to scare the white people (laughs) Okay So this, this made the case even more interesting to the press and it got yet more attention. Yeah. So
4: um, I, I'm pretty sure uh, this is Minnie. Um, I'm pretty sure I figured out where in our Beth and Minnie's family tree, uh-huh. our uh, black DNA oh! is. So yeah, I started poking around because I'm on 23andMe yeah. and um, my, uh, our, our uncle is on there and he's, he's got even stronger, um, Black DNA. Wow. And so I, I I'm, it, it's definitely on that side of the family. So I started poking around in the family uh-huh. tree. Um, and then I started, you started shaking on some and- branches, y'all. Yeah. yeah, I started shaking <laughs> some branches. Um, but I, I couldn't get anywhere by talking to people. They would all just sort of shut down huh. once you started poking a little bit. So I tried uh, ancestry.com mm-hmm. and uh, I started going up the family line. And on one side, you can go up and keep going mm-hmm. up. And on on the other side, it just ends. It simply ends. Interesting. So our yeah, I our our maternal grandmother's grandfather, uh-huh. I'm pretty sure, was mixed race, and he was either passing as white, or he might not have even known that he was mixed wow. race um, because he was actually a private in the uh, Confederate Army. Whoa, oh my god, oh, <laughs> dangerous. So, right, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he might he might not even have known, or he was overcompensating yeah. or yeah. something. You know, it's like I'll prove how white yeah. I am, wow. but I don't know. I don't know. I, I really yeah. don't know. Um, but so, his mother was never married, uh-huh. and his father is listed as not recorded. Whoa. So there's just there's no information. Interesting. So I can only assume. I'm assuming that his father was mixed race or uh-huh. black. So of course his mother couldn't have married um, his father because it, wa- it was illegal yeah, at the time. Right. Yeah, wow, fucking illegal!
2: Like until just, the nineteen sixties. By that's the thing way, that blows yeah. My mind. Yeah. yeah, 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 which yeah. is nuts. Yep.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Although wow, So 1967, <laughs> yeah, it's that crazy. late, it was still. Yeah, that's the year when it became legal for. anything you know, like what? Wow, what that's a whole. Oh other, yeah, whole other um, episode can of worms. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, he was the only child she ever had, and she lived into a ripe old age. She was in her oh. 80s, so she never had another child. She never got married, and so um, I shudder to think what might have happened to his father. Yeah. Um, and his mother was born in 1811. So I imagine his father was born at a similar time, meaning that his father's father would have been born sometime in the 1700s, which is when 23andMe says our black ancestor would have been wow. born. Wow!
2: So, oh my God! Did yeah, you guys cry and hug after yeah. you found this information? <laughs> oh I was pretty excited. well. We were. Uh,
4: I was. I was here on my own when I when I found um, that. I was just kind of doing it on my own and just I don't know. I struggle. Like I I want to I want to know. I want to know the stories. Yeah. And and, but I can't. I can't know the stories. And so you just kind of make up stuff in your head. And I feel like that's got to be similar for some others who are ignored in the yeah. past. You know, like we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, you know, unless uh, the Black people, their lives were intersected with a white person in some way, they weren't even recorded. Yeah. Like, we don't even know yeah. um, Hannah Mary Tabb's date of yeah, birth, yeah, you know? Yeah, wild. So... Yeah. And so I think that's probably part of why a lot of people of color aren't as interested in doing genealogy or doing their ancestry genealogy, whatever, because you can only go so far far, and then there's no record. And so you can't kind of go back in time and track back your your, uh, stories, you know.
2: We, we want stories. We absolutely you know? do. I will say mm-hmm. that now that you know, you do have some African ancestry, there is African ancestry yeah. DNA tests. And oh. another one thing that this is a total side note, but one thing that black people are not comfortable with is people keeping our DNA evidence because turns out they mm. later use it. You know who Henry yeah. relaxes. They, they use it later for either nefarious purposes or purposes to mm, make money yeah, without true. our knowledge or credit. Yeah. So yeah. this African ancestry, Ancestry tells you like what tribe, what part of Africa you're you're from. Um, and so it, it's super expensive, though. And they dispose hmm. of your DNA information afterwards. Oh, yeah, afterwards. it's just really, oh, really, like really expensive. Money. But okay. yeah, wh- huh. listen, Patreons <laughs> and patrons. Also, you heard it here. Folks. <laughs> I think that 23andMe and Ancestry should be free for anybody
3: with African ancestry. I already said it. I said mm. it. Up. Okay, yep. but thank you for
2: sharing
4: that. I love
3: that story. Yeah, very yeah. Cool. So you're up, Minnie.
2: Oh, I'm up. All
3: right, my turn. <laughs> uh, but I just had <laughs> a turn. You get another one. Look another at you. One. That's what she said. <laughs>
4: <laughs> anyway, um...
3: <laughs> Minnie is the queen of the. That's what she said. Is she? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I'm okay. terrible. <laughs> I'm incorrigible.
4: <laughs> so unable to uh, yet identify the victim, the focus of the investigation started uh shifting toward following leads on suspects. Because of the widespread press on the case, information began to come in from Philadelphia. A Pennsylvania Railroad train conductor named Frank Swain had been interviewed by Philadelphia Police Chief Francis R. Kelly.
3: Swain had remembered that a Black woman acting suspiciously, and not simply just by being Black, <laughs> on the train from Philadelphia just before the torso was discovered. He had seen the story in the papers and reported that she had had two bundles with her, one very similar to what was described in the press as containing the torso. She also had paid for a return trip to Philadelphia, but then paid extra to get off in Eddington instead, which was unusual. Oh, I didn't realize she paid extra. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, yeah
4: so she she would have had to buy the ticket from the oh, conductor weird. to do Eww. that. Yeah. So what the hell? Because they the check your her ticket plan? on the train. So she wanted to get off and then back on again. She would have bought
2: it from him. <laughs> that her. is really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it is really weird. Huh. Weird plan, lady. I'm telling you. What's up, man? <laughs> so he <laughs> said she had opened a window in the train car to let in the cold winter air also unusual. And she had seemed very nervous. So he had spoken with her. She claimed to be nervous because she was returning from the hospital. She said she had gone there because she had slipped on some ice and was returning and was still in pain. (laughs) And he had offered to help carry her packages. Oh, man, that would have been bad. At the Eddington (laughs) stop. But she rather sharply told him not to touch them. Maybe she should have yelled, what's in the box? No. And then spun around like Brad Pitt.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So the investigation continued in Philadelphia under the direction of police chief Kelly, his two special officers, Frank Geyer, who is known for having investigated the H.H. Holmes case, by the way. Yeah, So big time investigator. (laughs) And James Tate and two detectives, uh, Peter Miller and Thomas Crawford. This was apparently the entirety of the Philadelphia Investigative Force for a
3: population of close to 100,000.
4: What? Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, the police force um, is relatively new in this at this time. Oh, right. Yeah. Yep. 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 Got to catch yep. them
2: slaves.
4: People. Yeah. yeah people were le- used to policing themselves, yeah. um, generally, yeah. and so there was sort of community uh, watches or whatever. Yeah, sounds scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they had some difficulty focusing on the case because on the night of February nineteenth, eighteen eighty-seven, a suspended officer from the department decided to go postal on the place before going postal was a thing.
1: <laughs>
2: really? <laughs> he wow. Had been
3: suspended for drunk. <laughs> Goodness, neglect of duty and assault. Uh, okay. Wow. <laughs> so, of course, his logical choice was to get drunk, go to the police station and shoot it up with a revolver in each hand. Because, oh why, not? because why not? Because why not? Valid life choice. Yes. <laughs> he didn't succeed in killing anyone, which he had stated he planned to do. This guy's a loser, man. Wow. <laughs> Fail. But he did succeed in rattling the department out as well as the public, distracting them from the Torso case. Mm. As widespread press continued
2: involving both cases, a woman named Jenny Cannon came forward to suggest that the victim was likely her missing brother, Wakefield Gaines. She said he had gone missing right before the Torso was found and was in the habit of keeping in touch with her on a daily basis. The fact that he had not come by her house since then and had not told her of any plans to leave town, which he would have done, she was certain that he was the victim. Jenny told police that Hannah Mary
4: Tabbs had threatened to kill Wake before. She had seen Tabbs attack her brother and beat him out of jealousy when he spoke with another girl on the street. She said that Tabbs had claimed she would get even with him. Jenny
3: also explained that she, Tabbs, and Wakefield Gaines used to work together as servants in the same household. She said that Tabbs' niece, Annie Richardson, worked with them as well, and that Tabbs became very angry one time when Wakefield was joking with Annie. She said that Annie disappeared soon after that. Then Hannah, Mary Tabb stopped working for the household four months later.
2: Oh, this Jenny had a lot of information. Yeah, she's uh, spilling the tea. Yeah, she is. So the investigators decided to bring Tabs in for questioning as Jenny's description of her matched, the description of the railway conductor had given of the suspicious woman on the train. Tabs must have realized the implications of Jenny having been called in for questioning as she had chosen this time to take the train back to Eddington and report her niece missing. Hmm. Hmm. While she was at the police station there, she
4: also expressed curiosity about the Torso case. She may have been fishing for information to see how the investigation was coming along and possibly get some details. Philadelphia investigators James Tate and Peter Miller were watching return trains in Philadelphia as she was
3: coming back, and they arrested her as she arrived back at the train station there. She insisted that they were making a mistake in arresting her, that she was not the person who did this. She burst into tears when they tried to question her at the police station. The only clear reason Response to any questions that she would give or that she was acting strangely that night on the train because she was in pain from having slipped on the ice and that she did know Wakefield Gaines, but only because she and her niece used to work with him. I was uh, thinking she she burst into tears, but it sounded like
2: it didn't work. Yeah. And I also was thinking that after watching Kyle Rittenhouse mm-hmm. on the stand yep. for Christmas, I would like white tears. <laughs> um, so that I can get out of any problem. So she would not give a straight answer to any other questions they asked and contradicted herself on the vague answers that she did give. They kept her in a holding cell overnight. In the morning, Chief Kelly spoke with her to see if he could get any additional information from her. She declined to speak with him other than to say that she had a headache. Oh, she, look, she's trying to uh, do <laughs> all the things that white ladies do <laughs> they don't want it's to do something. It does mm-hmm. feel work. good. What a <laughs> so but he did get her
4: breakfast and he told her he'd return later. Detective Crawford tried again in a few hours, but she again wouldn't answer any questions. She would instead interrupt him and say, why don't you get Wilson? She wouldn't explain any further to Crawford and insisted on speaking with Chief Kelly instead. Once Kelly arrived, she gave a confession.
3: Chief Kelly and the others listened to her confession and noted that she seemed very calm and unbothered while speaking. According to them, she described the dismemberment like she was describing slaughtering a chicken and appeared to have no emotions about the murder or the disposal of the body.
2: She also had a black eye that she still insisted was from falling on the ice. Mm -hmm. Uh, From this, they decided that she must have had more to do with the murder than she was admitting to and that she wasn't just a bystander.
4: Based on Tab's confession, they tracked down and arrested George Wilson, the police beat him while in custody to get him to confess as you mm, do, you know yeah, yeah. <sighs> it, it yeah their methods weren't were not. Great. They're still not great. Uh, <laughs> so he did, in fact, give a confession, um, but his account differed from tabs after the point when he hit Wakefield with the chair. And I wouldn't be surprised to hear that they fed him the details. Yeah. Uh, though of course, yeah. The, yeah. So he might have been just saying whatever um, they wanted. They wanted to, to hear. Say, yeah, because yeah, it's it's that kind of uh, interrogation tactic. Uh-huh. You really, um, you're just going to say whatever you have to say in order to get it to stop so yeah. you're not necessarily going to get the truth that way
3: nope. yeah mm-hmm. nope yep, nope yep. nope yep wilson said that after hitting wake he ran from the house when he came back later the body had already been dismembered and tabs handed him a package to throw in the river he said she told him she would kill him if oh. he opened it Whoa. Now, he said he took the package,
2: which he later learned contained the head and limbs. He threw it over the Callahill Bridge and didn't come home until 11 p.m. He said he didn't see Tabs again until after she was arrested.
4: Investigators searched the river in the area where Wilson had said he'd thrown the package, dredging for 100 square yards, but never found anything. No one ever found the additional body parts. And again... Uh, I got the nightmare before Christmas in my head. <laughs> you know that scene when Jack yeah. goes off and uh, uh-huh. the mayor says, did anyone think to dredge the lake? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, they did.
3: Yeah, but they, they didn't did. find anything. <laughs> not <laughs> even
2: Jack. One source I found said they did find other body parts, but they were... Yeah, not his, though. Not his. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just random body yeah. parts. They were just random body They're parts so that really were like medical waste gone. that they yeah. were, you know.
4: Oh, or, yes. or other people who, you know, Good probably Folks who had been murdered, and nobody, uh,
2: yeah, other black folks, and they were like, ah, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Nick, yep. Ohio is a land of mystery. From missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies. From myths that have evolved around historic events and people to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering, what happened? Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com
3: so now we're going to get into the trial. What's the what, Beth? At the coroner's inquest to determine cause of death, Tabs was brought in. They uncovered the torso and she identified it as that of Wakefield Gaines. She also identified the shawl strap and calico cloth as those with which the torso was wrapped. A coroner's hearing followed with Tabs and Wilson in attendance.
2: The investigators and a few other witnesses testified at this hearing. The coroner's jury decided on March 2nd, eighteen. that the torso was indeed that of Wakefield Gaines and the cause of death was blows dealt by Wilson. They declared Tabs to be an accessory to the crime.
4: The actual trial began on May 31st, 1887. District Attorney George S. Graham said that he would try George Wilson first and begin jury selection right then. Courts worked uh, pretty quickly back then. Tabs was called to the stand to repeat her confession, which she did. She gave the same account as previously described.
3: Other witnesses, neighbors, and other locals were called who described seeing blood at the scene, as well as seeing the carpet having been removed and washing tubs sitting where they weren't normally. Another witness said that she had been paid to take away a bundle of clothing by Mary Tabs, and Tabs had told her to pawn it for her.
2: When police tracked down and collected the bundle, they found an item of clothing with blood on it and blood on the paper wrapping the bundle. The paper was also similar to the paper found on the torso. Other witnesses were called the next four
4: days to discuss Wilson's past behavior and work habits and to testify as to whether or not noises had been heard around the time of the murder in order to help identify what had actually happened.
3: Witnesses were also called to try to determine whether or not Wakefield had still been alive when he was dismembered, as that would speak to the brutality of the murder and whether it should be first or second degree murder. The trial ended after five days. George
2: H. Wilson was found guilty of first degree murder, though his counsel sought and was granted an additional hearing after which the judge accepted a plea of second-degree murder. So that means he was dismembered while alive? No, it means he he was not. OK. Yeah. It.
4: So originally the judge accepted that Wakefield was alive um, when he had been dismembered. But in w- the additional hearing, there was uh, additional scientific evidence given. And so that at that point, the judge accepted that he, he was, was not. not yeah. Okay. So he was got not alive. It. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Man, what would I do without you two? So the trial <laughs> was <laughs> the trial was fast and it was likely easy to convict him because he was mixed race. Right. And therefore a societal threat as far as the white majority was concerned.
4: Hannah Mary tabs was then tried and quickly found to be an accessory to murder even though much of the evidence seemed to point toward her having a lot more control over the situation than she had admitted to mm. she was sentenced to two years in prison
3: Wow yep Wilson was young impressionable and was described by others as lacking intelligence so the true driver of the murder dismemberment and disposal of body parts in separate locations was very likely tabs
2: so now we're going to get into To where are they now? Well... This all happened a long time ago, though not a galaxy far away. Uh, it really isn't that long ago. They're all mm-hmm. dead. Everybody is dead. George <laughs> Wilson was sentenced to 12 years in Eastern Penitentiary, and Tabs was sentenced to only two. Annie Richardson,
4: Tabs' niece uh, slash daughter, turned out to not be missing after all. Huh? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Best. Surprise twist. <laughs> yep. So it turned out that she had simply run away to get away from Tabs and her violent outbursts so she was avoiding her right Mm -hmm.
3: (laughs) in one account annie was reported to have said that she had seen tab's attempt to poison weight gains by putting arsenic in his beer about a week before the murder after he had recovered his boarding housekeeper asked him what had happened and he said quote oh it was a woman she did it unquote wow wow yeah okay Mm -hmm. (laughs)
2: wow prophetic
4: words if there ever were any yeah
2: yeah i'm without words Mm -hmm. now uh Mm -hmm. so now we're gonna get into what made tabs snack what what are your thoughts Minnie beth would any of you like to go first i'm gonna defer to
4: beth because she is so good at this kind of thing (laughs)
3: Um, let's discuss then yes well thank you (laughs) but so i don't i don't buy tabs sorry that weight gains just suddenly got Mm -hmm. up and hit george wilson for for what reason (laughs) you know what was the reason yeah uh, What's uh, in the box? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was reading about this story and I read that Tabs was waiting for John to die because he was older than her. Ah, mm-hmm. And then she planned on marrying Gaines. I don't know that Gaines had the same yeah. plan. <laughs> yeah. And I think Tabs killed Gaines or enlisted Wilson to help her kill Gaines because she was pissed that mm. he had become engaged to another woman. Uh-huh. And in the book, Hannah Mary Tabs and the Disembodied Torso. So the climate that Tabs grew up in was described as extremely violent, especially Mm -hmm. for black women. Yeah. So it's no wonder that she resorted to violence. You know, Mm -hmm. violence Mm -hmm. begets violence. Oh, hey, Mm -hmm. man. I don't know why Wilson was involved. It sounds like he, he was vulnerable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like Minnie said, he, he lived in that uh, that home. Yeah. And, um, and he was
2: younger than her. He
3: was younger. He was only 18. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he was uh, vulnerable in that way. But also they said he had low intelligence. So mm-hmm. poor guy. Um yeah, I mean, he he probably helped in this, but, you know, yeah. I feel kind of bad for him. Yeah. Yeah. And also because he was uh, passing for white, mm-hmm. or people thought he was, that freaked them the fuck out. <laughs> it's so, not funny.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> oh my I,
3: I think they were harsher on him than they would have been otherwise. Um Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I thought that was a really interesting part of the story. How f- much white people were freaked out yeah. at the idea yeah. of black people passing for white? Yeah,
2: like, like uh, it's just so funny their reactions. Like,
3: there's aliens in our midst. <laughs> oh oh you know? my god! <laughs> this whole time, you what, know what was that TV show V? Remember they were passing for for humans. Oh, <laughs> they were yeah. All aliens. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I remember Third Rock
2: from the Sun. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. V.
3: Right, but, and the, oh, there was also Battlestar Galactica, the most recent one with the Cylons who are passing for humans. Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, it, it. I mean, I think it, on the face of it, I, I've said this before. Race is so stupid. <laughs> it's yeah, such it is. A is. Really, yeah, really stupid idea. It's yeah. ridiculous. It is. Yeah, and so like if you are a person who has your community has been infiltrated wouldn't you like wonder like well what's wrong with us that we need people need to hide <laughs> amongst yeah. us what yeah what's what in, so in, instead of
3: saying like, what what is wrong with our society they're like we have to stop that we have
2: to stop it <laughs> right and i, I gotta t- i gotta say this too i if if aliens know if the aliens are out there they are not coming down here fucking with us we're terrible <laughs> why would they even want to yeah, yeah. Uh, you know why would they even want to pass as us we <laughs> suck human <laughs> beings suck yep
4: yeah that that whole thing about passing and why do they get so scared like yeah, what, yeah. is it are they worried about limited resources and having to share with more people i and think so that's yeah. one reason it, I think it, that's one. yeah yeah yeah, but as far as you know, what made her snap in that moment, I I don't know her her history of violence. I think she would have lashed out eventually at somebody. And, yeah, and yeah. it just kind of happened to be unfortunately this guy, this this dude, guy yeah. in that moment. Yeah, and I think Wilson just happened to be present. Yeah, and then she tried to pin it on him. You yeah. know, right. She tried and, to and get worked. him to do things that would make right. him look guilty. Yeah. And yeah. 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 And ultimately, it, it worked. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, you see her her survival skills kick in at almost yeah. every turn, right? Yep. She, I mean, I don't know how much she loved Gaines or if it was also an opportunity for upward mobility to be with him mm-hmm. or be married to him, but
3: she. I think <laughs> she was infatuated with him. That's what the idea I got reading the book uh, mm-hmm. that she was just like totally infatuated with him.
2: Ah, but then when she gets into trouble, she starts crying and feigning headaches and putting somebody else in the line of fire instead of herself as a means to survive. And I think that's probably something she learned very early. The other thing is the violent thing. I mean, she beat people up in front of other people that's yeah. not something you're supposed to do if you're gonna kick somebody's ass do it in private yeah well, she did it in public and she came after him with a razor blade Whoa. So, so
3: something else I read was that because she was so violent that nobody questioned her about anything she did so she was having this affair with Wakefield Gaines and pretty much everybody knew about it but mm-hmm. nobody confronted her on it they're like ah uh, yeah I am just gonna let the letter uh, do that not my
2: business <laughs> yeah, yeah no my Minding business. your business is free so that's even, what i'm going even to do her
3: husband probably knew about it yeah is what i read so yeah nobody wanted to cross her yeah
4: mm-hmm. she's yeah. a scary person she does sound like somebody you don't want to get
2: on her bad side right um also city of brotherly love where's the evidence of this <laughs> i mean <laughs> <laughs> There's a, it sounds like it's a mess over there in Philadelphia. Yeah. It has been since the beginning. Also, this story, it, it has the best of all the worlds. Romance, sex, history, true crime. <laughs> and uh, per Dr. Callie Gross, this story has the elements of race, confinement, poverty, and law enforcement. And those are all still ish- ongoing issues to mm-hmm. this day. Yeah. Yeah. And I could not agree with her more, which is why I give this story five stars. Yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> this was a great I wanna, story. I, yeah. Yeah, uh, I wanted to add so much more to it I because it, it is such a complex story yeah. and, it, and it kept st- making me stop and think so many yeah. different yeah. times. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm going to get the book um, that she wrote. Uh, yeah, it
2: sounds really interesting. Yeah. I've, just been, I've been listening to a lot of interviews with her and I just mm-hmm. like can't get enough. She's a so, fascinating woman, yeah. She, yeah, she is and I just want to uh, urge people listening, this story has everything and our sources are linked in the show notes so you can also find out more about all the things related to this case. So now we're going to get into how not to get murdered. So if you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. We did it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> this segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. This is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's experiences. However. Yeah. This week we have no tips. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, except but- for
4: that. What was that thing we were talking about? The soup can in the in a sock? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, <laughs> we were just Excuse joking. Most, mostly <laughs> just, just joking. joking. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so Minnie has been uh, ordering uh, food. She doesn't want to go to the grocery stores, you know, like, uh-huh. like a lot of us. Uh, yeah. She has her, her groceries delivered, and sometimes they uh, there's stuff in her groceries that she didn't order. So she has, uh-huh. like, I don't know, four cans of white beans or something
4: like that. Why they got to be white? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't order any white beans. <laughs> and they just appeared, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they just so- included them in the order, and, and I didn't get charged for them, but they're there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so she was talking about what what to do with them she was talking about donating them to the food bank or whatever and uh so we were joking about using them as <laughs> to, weapons, to protect ourselves. weapons yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah throwing them at so people just, putting yeah. them in or, a sock and, and, and,
4: and you know to whirl around and whirl around you know, and hit like somebody oh in the head yeah just just can't
3: uncheck. <laughs> wow but it was just a joke uh, yeah don't don't don't, <laughs> don't
4: actually yeah. yes don't got it about, you know got it <laughs> yeah. got it <laughs> but a I love the idea. It could be taken out of your hand and used against you. So don't ask. Yes, uh, yeah, of course. course. Yes. We can't forget that. No, <laughs> we can't cannot. That.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyway, we'd like to invite <laughs> Fruities, you guys listening, to send us your tips on how not to be murdered. We get a lot of really good tips from you guys. So yeah, keep so it keep up. Keep Yeah.
2: All right. Well, now it's shout out time where we shout out any content by or about any othered or marginalized
3: folks or any true crime goodies. So, I wanted to shout out the uh, movie the harder they fall on netflix Fuck
2: yes yeah. I
3: five times yeah wow so it's I a turn, it. uh which which you used to not give a fuck about but that was
2: until i realized 25 oh, percent of the cowboys in this country probably more were, we're black mm-hmm. and cowboy is a racist term yeah. Yes.
3: <laughs> so uh, it's a Western featuring an almost all black cast. It's like, I don't know, 99% black. Yep. yep. <laughs> and it's so entertaining. Uh, yeah, I really loved it. So, oh, yeah, really can- well done. Yeah.
2: Really well done. I've been, I, oh, you, you got to watch it with the whole family. It is amazing. The Easter eggs, too. Like that train they walk by is called Chadwick Boseman Train. Oh, there's I little, didn't notice that. Yeah, there's like little beautiful little, Easter eggs. I'm going
3: to have to watch it again. And, the and guy who that. directed
2: the movie is Seal's younger brother. You know Seal, the dude who yeah, sings? Yeah, of course. Mm, one, of the sto- one of the storefronts in the Black Town is called Carter and Carter. Like Beyonce and Jay Z. Uh-huh. Carter and Carter. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to
3: now watch it <laughs> a six time. Thanks, Beth. All right. You're welcome. What do you got, Minnie? What do you got? (laughs) Well, now
2: I've got a seal
4: song running through my head. (laughs) We're never (laughs) going to (laughs) survive unless we get a little crazy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I used to love him. Still do. Um, anyway, I'd like to shout out uh, Dr. Kelly Nicole Gross, who we've been talking about. Uh, the majority of the content for this story this week uh, was drawn from her book, Hannah Mary Tabs and the Disembodied Torso. Mm. She did extensive research on the case and uh, is a very interesting woman herself. Yeah. She's a black woman yeah. and she is a professor at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. So if you're oh, in Atlanta, Georgia, yeah. go, take a, go take a class from her. Sounds like yeah, sounds very like a cool. So here's, I'm just going to read off a couple of bios on her. The first is from the Emory University website, and then the Mm -hmm. second one is from her own website. So from Emory University, uh, quote, uh, Kelly Nicole Gross earned her B.A. from Cornell University in African Studies and her Ph.D. in History from the University of Pennsylvania. She is the National Endowment for the Humanities Professor of African-American Studies and also the Publications Director for the Association of Black Women Historians from 2019 to 2021, and a distinguished lecturer for the Organization of American Historians. End quote. Nice. Uh, and then the second uh, bio from her own website, uh, quote, her primary historical research explores Black women's experience in the U.S. criminal justice system, and her expertise and opinion pieces have been featured in press outlets such as Vanity Fair, Time, The Root, BBC News, Ebony, HuffPro, Warscapes, The Washington Post and Jet. Wow.
2: Okay, Jet Magazine. That's Mm -hmm. a throwback. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
4: <laughs> so she has appeared on venues such as ABC, C-SPAN, NBC, and NPR. Her award-winning books include Colored Amazons, Crime, Violence, and Black Women in the City of Brotherly Love, 1880 Ooh. to 1910, winner of the 2006 Letitia Woods Brown Memorial Book Prize, and Hannah Mary Tabs and the Disembodied Torso, A Tale of Race, Sex, and Violence in America, winner of the 2017 Hurston Wright Legacy Award for Nonfiction. Her latest book, Authored with Diana Ramey Berry is a Black woman's history of the United States, and that was published by Beacon Press in 2020. And quote, and she also has her own website. The link will be uh, in the the usual places in the show notes. Yep. Yes. And then another suggestion that I had. um, This is more of a fun thing. I like I like a lot of things that just kind of get me out of the darkness because I am a very empathetic. I have a tendency to get a little just too feeling in my feelings for. a lot of this stuff, <laughs> So I like to have other fun things that kind of help me unwind and it, anyone who knows me knows that I am almost constantly watching RuPaul's Drag Race because I just <laughs> love drag queens and they just yes. have this thing about them that just, it's just uplifting. And yeah. um, so I'm just fascinated by drag queens. So I wanted to shout out Todrick Hall. I don't know if he's been shouted out on Fruit Loops yet. Do you I recall ever? I don't think ever? so. I don't okay. think so. Yeah. So, all right. Oh, crrr. so yeah i'm terrible at doing that still working
2: on it keep practicing (laughs) so
4: so he is a black american singer songwriter choreographer and youtuber um i know him mostly from rupaul's drag race um he does the the help with the choreo and uh help with the coaching singing okay okay and i know him from his youtube videos uh you may you may have heard some of those um though he was apparently also on the ninth season of american idol which i know you oh, wow. like what? and yeah so apparently i need to find the ninth season of american idol and he made it to the semifinals. Uh, finals yeah I, I haven't seen it because i never huh. watched american idol but I, I, as i was it was I, as i was looking up i learned that about him and i absolutely oh, love him
2: yes, i am looking at photos <laughs> yep. on instagram I love yes, him oh, too.
4: He's a uh, yeah. Oh my god. Yep. Ooh. Although you know he does not like the ladies. I mean, n- not in that way.
2: He, <laughs> he likes the ladies. But yes. Not, yes. Loves yes. the girls, and the girls he's, love him back. Yes. Yep. <laughs> when I say girls, I mean everybody. <laughs> girl. That <when laughs> that Girl. Just say girl. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So. Okay. So just so to check recap. him out. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's The Harder They Fall. If you don't watch it, I'll kill you. It's on Netflix. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, and then Dr. Callie Nicole Gross all over all the internets. And she has a book. Oh, lots of books. She's a doctor. And then also Todrick Hall, who is on uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. He's a choreographer and singing coach and uh, a YouTube sensation. Mm-hmm. Um, so check all those things out. I. Okay. Only because we talked about passing a lot in this episode. Mm -hmm. There's a show called Passing or a movie called Passing on Netflix. It's only like an hour and 40 minutes. It's not long at all. But it is about a 1920s New York City black woman who finds herself her world upended when her life becomes intertwined with a former childhood friend who is passing as white. They're both Mm. light skinned, Um, and so it is just amazing. Um, and it's a really interesting window into the life of Mm. passing black women in the twenties. And then, um, there is a podcast called harsh reality, the story of Miriam Rivera and Miriam Rivera is a trans woman who in the nineties, early two thousands, when reality TV took off, um, Um, They were like, what's going to be the next thing that's going to get people watching? So they did this dating show where they had a trans woman um, cast as the love interest for these eligible bachelors, and she was going to choose from one of them. But the secret wouldn't be revealed until the end that she was a trans woman. And oh, wow. the men, I believe I they've freaked out. I I think that I'm not through all the way through it, but there's a, there's a, a tragic end to this. Yeah, um, I can we can imagine, imagine what yeah. that might be. So, right. um, just interesting about passing. So it's passing on Netflix, harsh reality, wherever you get your podcast. And, uh, I think that that's it for today. Where can the people find us Beth?
3: Our website is fruitloopspod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod. And our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod. And links to our sources will be in our footnotes. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash App. Just Google Fruit Loops Pod Cash App, or you can become a monthly patron through Podbean. This will help us pay for things like our website and pod hosting. There's no minimum and no commitment. Even a dollar would help. And as always, we have merch for sale on our website. Happy Holidays. We hope your holidays, whatever they happen to be, are lit. (laughs) And we wish the best for all of our fruities out there.
2: Yes, we do. Now, this is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look alive, y'all. It's crazy out there. Come play with us.